Welcome to the EDU Podcast, where Rob and Gary talk and drink with your favorite photographers. So grab yourself a cold sarsaparilla and saddle up. This podcast is brought to you by Capture One Pro. With support for more than 400 cameras, it's the standout choice for any serious photographer. See the difference that Capture One 10 can make to your existing raw images by downloading a free 30-day trial at CaptureOne.com. In this episode, we're sitting down with my brother from another mother, Pratik Nick. And again, we still have Rob Grimm. He's in need of a nap <laughs> by this like point. You said like you're disappointed. Well, you clearly are in need of a nap and you're getting cranky He's, and you haven't had well, your daily... All, <laughs> I'm never cranky. He's... Oh. <laughs> Never not cranky. He's been waiting for this moment right here. I have been. I'm I'm cranky that it's taken this long to get to Pratik. Yeah, I know. Because I've been so eager to talk with you. I'm going to coddle you with my voice. That's what's happening. I can't wait. Well, here we are. So, Pratik, most of our audience already knows who you are. But for those that For the one who doesn't. The the one one person who doesn't. Who are you? What what are you? Okay. So, first of all, I am a Photoshop Expert, so and so, quote unquote, um, guru, guru, right? Yeah. As everyone says, <laughs> but for I, I'm basically just a retoucher in the photography world. So everyone so far, I think, has been a photographer. But what I do is I help photographers um, polish up their images for publications and commercial work, and that's kind of what my background is. Like I really enjoy working on skin. A lot of photographers hate going to Photoshop and editing their images, but I actually, I actually like that so much. That's what I did. I didn't. I went from photography into post production instead of the other way around, where photographers, you know, would shoot and then they would, they would strive to be professional. But I wanted to do the post production side. What do you think it was about um, sitting at the computer and doing the post that really drew you in so much? So, I, I by nature, I'm an introvert. I like being by myself and I like deep thoughts and everything. When I when I started by Photoshop, Jack Handy, yes. <laughs> I let's not talk about that. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's just the, the 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 act of seeing something you had in mind go from beginning to end and being the sole reason of why that that final thing is so perfect. I actually enjoyed that experience, and along the way, uh, because I'm an introvert, being self focused and centered while I was working, I felt like a sense of zen. And a lot of retouchers and people who work in Photoshop will attest to this is is when you're working in Photoshop, it's kind of a zen like experience. You know, it's kinda of like going to yoga. It's like mental yoga hmm. doing doing retouching. So that pulled me in and I think that's what gives me a lot of clarity. It's like the drug. I mean I'll be honest with you, it feels like a drug when you're working seriously. And you yeah, when you actually enjoy working in Photoshop, it feels like a drug. It feels like and nothing else matters except that moment right there. You know? Oh, wow. Yeah. Is that feeling, uh, as drugs do, getting less and less? And you're going to have to do more and more of it? Is this turning into a problem that we need to know about? I can't talk from personal experience on that one. But no, it's it never gets old. It's this obsession. So I always tell people, I feel like when you're retouching and, and you feel this, this euphoric uh, sensation when you're working, it's almost like a really bad habit that no one stops you from doing. Because like with anything else that's a bad habit, people always come and put the stigma on it. It's like, you can't do this, you can't do that. But with retouching, when it feels so good to do it, um, and you're making money from it, there's nothing stopping you. So you get so obsessed doing it. 
and it, it's, it becomes this full-blown addiction that's praised. And eventually, you know, you end up having to find your own checks and balances to get that life balance back when mm-hmm. you're working. Yeah, it's interesting. You talk about being an introvert, which in many ways you are very isolated at the computer. Yeah. But at the same time, that relationship with the photographer is so critical. Mm-hmm. And you have to work hand-in-hand hand with them because you are effectively... Um, not only polishing their images, you're an extension of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, that's exactly right. And I think a, a good sign of working with any retoucher or anybody on your team is they shouldn't really take the forefront of what you're doing. I, like, I shouldn't be overshadowing your work, you mm-hmm. know, and making you a better photographer, uh, quote unquote. But I should be just matching your vision and just bridging that gap. Because if I make your images look completely different as a photographer, what is your style then? You know, mm-hmm. what is it? What is? What are you trying to convey to your client? And for me, I need to step back and pull pull that ego back and say, I want to be there to help you, and I don't want to take full control of your vision, because that's not what my role is. So. As a photographer, you really and truly have to define your own style. You've got to give yourself a vision that is uniquely yours and that people can define as your style. Do you think that a retoucher has to almost have an absence of style because you're enhancing what the photographer does? So with, when it comes to style as a retoucher, there are a few retouchers who have their own style. And you'll know this because when you go to their book, you'll see this certain level of polish that they do. And that's not a bad thing because sometimes people hire them for that style. But for me and how I crafted my business, I need to be in that exact position where I won't have an absence of style. Like I'll still be knowledgeable about it, but I'll know when to pull back. I'll know when to add it. And that comes to communication. Like I'll be like, hey, listen, you know, what is that you want me to do? Do you want me to come up with a particular look that you're going for that you cannot achieve? Because some clients do come to me when they can't figure it out, when they can't match another photographer's vision or whatever it is. But sometimes they come to me and say, hey, look, this is what I want to keep it as. I don't want to change it so much, but I do want to make sure that, you know, you understand what good aesthetic is when it comes to skin work and stuff. So it's not an absence of style. It's just uh, understanding and a level of being able to pull back when necessary. How long did it take you to really develop your skill set and to to develop that sense of understanding style? You know, it was still up to like a year or two ago that I I felt like I was still improving. You know, Mm -hmm. I, I never felt I never felt comfortable with my own work when I was in school. I felt like I had to work two times as hard just to get the same level, same grades or less than everybody else. So I felt like I had this level of. ADD in a sense because I just couldn't have that level of focus and retouching brought that level of focus to me so I had to work twice as hard for everything same thing with retouching I had I had clients not clients I had colleagues that would come in this industry and they would get to where I am now within a year or two and their work just rose so fast Mm -hmm. and I felt jealous but I also had to realize it wasn't a race necessarily to get to a particular particular uh, level but it was about the time it took to build that momentum and keeping on going further and further. And I, I felt like it took 10 years just to get to the point of satisfaction for me um, in terms of quality of work. Because even right now, I think right now I'm, I'm happy with everything I'm putting out there. Right. But before that, I could look at my work and see flaws in everything that I did. And, and it was just a growing experience. But I want to tell people not to be discouraged if they're not growing as fast as they think they are. Because most of the times, it's going to take a lot longer than you anticipate in the beginning. I think that's true of anything in the arts, though. You're always growing. You're never satisfied. And you should always be learning more. It's the nature of being an artist is perpetual dissatisfaction in your own work. It's a balance of... 
it's a balance of being dissatisfied and also getting approval from clients. Yeah. There's a meme out there that goes like, this guy makes something really beautiful and he presents it to the internet. And it's like, no, this is awful. And he's like crying in the corner. And it's just like that. Like we have to first, A, be our worst critic and <laughs> prevent being discouraged when other people are critiquing us. Yeah. And it's a constant struggle. That's a, that's, a tr- that's a tough one. It's awful. But it's also nice in a way when you can get to a point where you just don't care about what people have to say. I feel like we need to come up with a way to critique someone. <laughs> when people are critiquing me. Like, it's like better than critiquing. It's more positive and you feel it's, better afterwards. Well, that's just the it's tone of his voice. Sandwich. I know. He's like the yeah. sweetest guy yeah. ever. When, cr- when critique critiques, it's a critiquing. <laughs> I like, I like. I don't know. Can we make that I a think session? This, yeah, this is going to have to be so, a video somehow. Yeah, if you're, if you're listening and you want critique critiques, <laughs> to, to send Gary and Rob a message and we'll make it happen. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. send that to Rob with your nudes at rggedu.com. Yes. It has to be with a nude. Send nudes. Otherwise, won't be, we won't respond. Preferably males only. <laughs> uh, we so digress. Pratik, let's talk about marketing. What... What's your approach to marketing? How are you getting your name out there? How are Don't you getting follow me for marketing because I'm the worst example when it comes to that. That's Perfect. It. Let's talk about yeah. why you're such a bad example so our audience will know what not to do. So, so uh, people ask me this question. Like, how, do, how do you market yourself so well? You have so much engagement. You have so many people commenting on your posts. But the funny thing is with me and my work, being that I'm a retoucher and not a photographer, the level of retouchers to photographers, like it's like one in a hundred and one in a thousand. So there's there's an imbalance right now for good talent when retouching and photography. So what tends to happen is people find me easier than my myself having to go out there and finding clients. So I didn't have to use social media to particularly find clients or have a website. I didn't even have a website for the longest time. My website, eventually when I did have one, was outdated for four years after I got one together. Because I just didn't have enough time to, to update these things. How about that? He gets it together, and it's already outdated by four years. <laughs> right from the get-go. <laughs> it happens. It happens. And then so what ended up happening was I ended up using social media for something completely different than everyone else. So on Facebook, I ended up using Facebook as a platform for observations and social commentary about the industry. And, and inquisition. Yeah. You, your, your biggest interactions are questions. Exactly. Questions that I'm just genuinely curious about. And why right. is anyone talking about this stuff? And so... I decided to use social media as a selfless purpose in terms of not promoting myself, not the media part, but the social part and just connecting with people. And that's kind of how we got together because just being social online, you got to see my personality. You got to see, you know, how everything is. So So you're almost promoting yourself by default. You're being inquisitive. You're engaging, but not from the professional point of view, from the I want to know more point of view. Yeah, it's not like the, hey, here's the, you know, Monday special where, you know, I'm offering retouching. I'll never post anything like, hey, I'm offering retouching because I just want people to get to know me first before they get to see my work. And when they do that, you already, you've already cut down most of the hard work when getting to know somebody. Because it, it's, it's like that with a relationship, you know, when you're working with somebody, it's how, how much you like them if you're going to work with them more and more often than if they're an asshole and you're just, you know, like yeah, the their work. the business is totally relationship-based, yeah. 100%. So, and everyone's pushing their work. Everyone's saying, hey, look at my work, look at my work. But when there's something else that's different and refreshing, it's such a, it's a less of a struggle to make yourself known. So have a personality is what I'm trying to say. In terms of pricing yourself, do you have different prices for, let's say, editorial and commercial? Like, how do you, or how yeah. are you winning jobs in, in different, different industries? Yeah, um, 
Initially, when I first found out about the retouching world, I started looking at magazines and I saw, you know, cover photos and I was like, man, I wonder how much they're making, you know, retouchers. And I started looking to figures and, and, and interviewing people and, and it was in the six figures. And I was like, holy crap, like I already know Photoshop. I can take photos. I could probably piece the two together and kind of, you know, figure out how to do this. But the one thing I couldn't figure out how to do is the pricing structure because it's, it was so varied. It was across the board. And when photographers kept telling me that there was no budget for editorials, I was confused. I'm like, where, where are retouchers making their money if there's no budget to be on magazine covers and stuff like that? And it wasn't so much that the magazines didn't have the budget. It was that some magazines didn't have the budget. Some do. You know, if they really want you, they'll go out of pocket to, to pay for it as an investment. So for me, what happens is when it comes to editorial work, it's priced about half as much as commercial work just because, um, you know, the budget isn't necessarily there to begin with. Because with the commercial side, you know, they have hundreds of thousands of dollars of budget year round for certain companies. And when they hire a photographer, the retoucher comes as part of the team. But with, on the editorial side, it's not always that the retoucher comes in the beginning. So they're having to expense that separately. So let's say, um, let's say a high-end magazine cover, right? Or just a high-end editorial. It can be anywhere from like $75 to $200 an image, depending at the country, the location, the economic climate, stuff like that. But for a commercial job, it could be $1,000 or $2,000 an image just based on the complexity. Mm -hmm. So if you're only after money, the commercial side is probably the best way. But the artistic side... Do a bit of both. What are you after? I'm after a balance. Okay. I'm after I'm after relationships. That's what I'm after. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was the answer. It is true though. Someone asked me recently. They said, you know, what what is the definition of success as a creative? And in the beginning, I thought it was being on magazine covers. That's what my goal was, and and working with the best talent in the industry. And when I got to that point, when I was on magazine covers and I had everything I should be proud of, I felt terrible inside. I was like, this is not where I should be. But when I started to do like a, a analysis of why I was feeling that way, I realized that the times that I was the happiest during the year, through the whole year, was when I was working with people that genuinely appreciated the work that I did, regardless of where it was going to be. So I ended up taking work more often from people that I liked and that matched the budget, rather than taking high-end work that has terrible deadlines and a budget that's even less. And for me, that's what I continue doing. How do you balance your time? As you become more and more in demand, how do you balance putting the time into work and still having your life? It was something that I had to figure out at a certain point of growth where I ended up just not being able to manage all my jobs. It came to a point where I had too many clients and I had to make a decision. How was I going to sacrifice work to gain back some of my personal life? Because if you're an obsessed creative in this industry and you want to make it and you do make it, you're going to be the type of person who just puts everything aside for the work. When you get to that point, what are you going to do? There's no, no time left. And for me, I, what I did was I ended up hiring people. I decided to upscale, bring on other retouchers on board, and grow the company so that now I'm a brand. As a solstice retouch, that's what my um, retouching uh, brand is. And we, are, uh, we can take on more jobs. We are, we're flexible, and people that work under me also get more work. And that way I can bring back uh, some of my personal life and do stuff like this. How long did it really take you to build that brand? It took, um, from start to finish, probably six, seven years of having that vision of, you know, I eventually do want to uh, grow to the point where I have this whole company 
and then putting that into execution and learning things and what worked and what didn't, finding the right talent, because they, again, have to match your personality right. as well. What were the biggest hurdles that you had in building a brand? Oh, that's a good one. Um, I think ultimately the biggest hurdle that even as a photographer you face is just learning. Learning was the biggest hurdle. Because if you don't have a point of reference and you can't talk to anybody that's doing the same thing, there's no way that you're going to know if you're doing something right or wrong aside from just going through it. As a beginning photographer, you have more resources like with RGG and you guys because we have classes and everything that teach you how to do things. But when you're at a certain level where you're doing things that no one else is really doing, you can't go out and be like, hey, how do you go piv- uh, pivot from point A to B? Right. And that took the longest time. That took like two, three years just to get that like process out of the way. Yeah, that's hard. And I think in many ways, photographers are very isolated. Yeah. In many ways, retouchers are even more isolated. Yeah. Because we often have a crew around us. Yeah. You know, the stylists and the assistants. But you guys don't have that luxury. So your isolation is even greater. It's terrible. It's uh, it's interesting because even on even as a photographer, when you're working, you have people around you, so you have that social interaction. Mm-hmm. We don't. That's why I have Facebook. So, and when I'm on Facebook, everyone's like, "How do you manage working and being on Facebook?" Well, I'm doing both at the same time, so it's not like a struggle for me. I'm not trying to like plan out my day, saying at 12 o'clock I'm going to post and at three o'clock I'm going to post. It's just something that you know happens. I think you know what I think you're actually doing. What I think you've actually invented like a, an AI critique <laughs> that stays online all the time and can interact and be. Witty. And then you're out there retouching because there's no way that you can do that level of work that often and also promote online that well. You know what I did? It's like a comedian. They hire like writers. So I just hired basically like the best, you know, yeah. pun makers or whatever. And I just decided to actually have it's sit at home. Polish. They're all Polish pun makers. <laughs> They're the best at puns. Is that right? Oddly enough, yeah. There's, there's a whole southern Poland is full of pun makers. How did you know this? Everybody knows this, Rob. I didn't. Well, it was in the well, last podcast. Yeah, we're paying attention. <laughs> God, I was asleep again at the wheel. I hate that. Pratik, what do you what do you struggle with the most now? What's what are your what are your struggles today? My struggle right now is trying to find the time to still work on that life balance thing because right now I'm like when I'm in Vegas and I want to just do nothing all day I still have to get back to the work side and switching back and forth it's like going through a door like you know when you go through a door and you forget something and you're like oh what did what was I what was I thinking about yeah, and right. it's like it's like this barrier for me I have a problem like switching barriers like if I'm in if I'm in work mode that's all I want to do yeah if I'm in play mode that's like all I want to do and so like just teaching myself how to do that what about you guys because like you go, you go work and you have family time and stuff. So it's, you know, scheduled. But like when times like this, it's hard. The amount of travel uh, is really hard. Um, the last couple of years have been crazy too. Kind of living both in Chicago and St. Louis. Um, that was that was insane. Um, and it's a <laughs> it's a matter of one getting less sleep, uh, <laughs> but also finding priorities. You yeah. know, it's like okay, what what is most important to me. Um, and I think finding a level of acceptance that there are some things you just have to let go mm-hmm. and you just have to say, you know what, as much as I want to do that or be involved or contribute, I simply don't have the capacity and I got to be okay with it. Yeah. And just walk it back. And you travel all the time too. We run into you in yeah. all parts of the world. Yeah. You're everywhere. Yeah. But I, I admire you guys because you guys have families. I don't have a family yet. So it's, even, it's still a lot easier for me than like having family and kids and because with kids like they don't really understand you know they they want to see their dad and they want to see their mom and they do and actually um when i was on the road so much 
it got harder with my youngest daughter. She and I were so, so close. And she was giving me a lot of attitude just because we were gone a lot. Um, and, it, you know, it's really it's so important to, to be there and to be a dad. So um, I think I know for me I have to spend extra time being attentive and making sure that I'm, I'm just doing the little things that um, – make her f- feel loved and cared for like fort building often yeah fort building, I mean, we that's have a, a good one we have a minimum of lunches. three forts a week <laughs> forts are that's awesome i think i think building forts is directly uh, related and proportional to how awesome you're going to be it's an equation if it you is. build more forts growing up you're going to be an awesome person yeah yeah because like even you know when when you're when you when you have kids i assume like there's like this like level of guilt that you have when you're not there sometimes you know and a lot of photographers have kids but this is a topic that doesn't get talked about a lot you know like like having families and having children in, in the industry because like i said we're so driven with our work that they don't really care that we're driven they just you know sometimes don't they can't express themselves and 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 tell us like hey i will say there's a flip side to it like when i um have been in my chicago studio shooting that's really nice for me because I'm not at home. I'm not feeling the clock, which when I'm in St. Louis and I've got to shoot, I hear the clock. And it's like, <laughs> oh, man, it's 430. i got to wrap up because i got to get Chandler to swim team. I've got to make dinner. I've got like 19 responsibilities. I can really focus on a shoot when I'm away and I'm isolated. I can work until I need to work. Um, I can spend as much time with my clients as I feel I need. And when I come back home... I'm more attentive to my kids because some of that pressure is off because I've been so focused on my work. I find that I can be more focused on my kid. Um, Whereas when I'm home and I'm managing everything, it's like my day, my hours, everything's split up into um, smaller fragments. Right. And that yields less concentration. That's amazing. So in a a way, it basically just benefits when you get to spend time. It's harder on my wife, but it's yeah. it's more liberating for me. Yeah. Does that make sense? It is. It yeah. is. It's weird. It's a good point. It's like not wearing underwear. <laughs> totally liberating. <laughs> I can never wear underwear. I know. It's so liberating. Even what was now? it? 87? You gave 85. up undies? 85. 85. You gave up the undies. Freshman year in college. That's crazy. They came off. I don't know how you do that. <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> you gotta try it. <laughs> I have tried right, it. I, I, I can't get into it. Can't get into it. Pratik is taking off his pants right now. <laughs> it's a game throwing changer, guys. You've been wearing this pants. This feels amazing. He's throwing his underwear out the window of the 21st floor. <laughs> right into Treasure Island. <laughs> right into <Yeah>. the pool. <laughs> right into Treasure Island. <laughs> It's a little treat for the visitors. Yeah. So, Pratik, let's get into what the project that we just did. Let's yes, talk, talk I'm so you, excited about this project. Give me the elevator pitch. All right. What so, is it? Okay, so, uh, you know, for the last few years, I've actually wanted to come up with a, a beauty and portrait retouching tutorial that I haven't had the chance to do because I've been waiting for the right opportunity. And when you guys actually came to me and said you want to start working together, I was like, this is perfect because I already like your style, like what you're doing. And I, I started putting together a curriculum over the last year of what I want to cover. But more importantly, unlike any other course that I've seen, I started asking the community, again, the social commentary. I said, what do you guys want? Like, what is something that you actually want to see and not something that I want to teach? Like, give me the hardest problems that you have with portraits, people, whether it comes to beauty work, uh, headshots, whatever it is. And I want to build a course on that. So I put everything that I knew with portrait and beauty retouching without any fluff and just put it together because there's so much material out there that either they're not doing it correctly, they're taking too, lot, too much time on it, the way that they're presenting and putting that educational information together isn't cohesive or coherent, but I wanted to put that all together. And that's why I think this is going to be the course that is ultimately the thing that I'm most proud of that I've put together. 
Who is this course for? It is literally for everyone who does anything with people. So if you're doing headshots, if you're doing uh, commercial work for clients, if you're doing beauty work, if you're doing regular portraits, like a lot of photographers are, even if you're doing wedding portraits, yeah. it covers everything. And even if you think it's not for you, it is. Because yeah. you have to have an open mind and realize that everything that I do in one genre can pull over into another genre and the techniques uh, still work Absolutely. and it's just another different set of ideas that you would never have thought of if you didn't watch this yeah, yeah. so the, the the way we started with this tutorial is we looked at genres yeah and we looked for you know, basically you know asked our audience and asked friends to submit images that were editorial or commercial or beauty um, or just like standard portrait yeah or a headshot yeah that's right and then the the approach to each one of those shots is different. Mm -hmm. it's, I mean, there are similar things, of course, but it is different. It's a different workflow. It is hugely different yeah. because, like, how do you, there's some, I mean, I'll give you an example because we actually analyzed what to look for before even beginning. You know, a lot of tutorials, they go, hey, look, this is how to fix this. I'm like, that's great, but how do you know what to look for if you can't see that thing that's wrong? Yeah. Vision is actually a thing that takes the longest to learn. Mm -hmm. If you can't teach vision, then you're actually not really teaching anything. Because, I mean, if I, if I look at a photo and I don't know what to fix, these techniques do me no good. Yeah. I need to see that. And that's what I want people to know. Like this is, this tells you all these different things from every genre. That's also, that's also the biggest trick for um, people who are learning to realize that they have to understand and learn vision. They often want to know settings. Yeah. Like that's the magic settings. formula. That's not. But well, they think just getting the action, like <sighs> I need the action. Terrible. Well, if you don't have the direction and know how to use and or why to right. use the action. Yeah. Stop Stop doing that, people. Which I, th I think stop. this is counterintuitive to a lot of people. People don't think I can really analyze and learn how to view. Yes, because when you do that, sometimes the answers present themselves for you. Right. When you, when you learn how to look at something. Because even when you go to a conference like um, WPBI, like we're at here, you see a lot of people you know, focusing so much on the gear aspect. And then when you have a presentation where somebody's actually talking about what to look for when you light something, those are the crowds that really learn something and get something out of it. They're like, oh, this is actually really beneficial. But everyone else is saying, here's the lens to use for a portrait, and here's the softbox you need for blah. Like, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't matter as much. But what does matter is the... You know the what matters the most at these conventions? Meeting people like us. Nope, nope. <laughs> Nope. Well, Walking around with a 300 millimeter lens <laughs> yes. and getting good images on the floor. Yeah, in, inside the convention. Inside the convention. Right. I, I want to ask you guys. So, uh, speaking of that, I made it, I, again, I made that social commentary. Yeah. So I, and that's why I brought the, it up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> everyone who met me the other day, they're like, huh, that was a great status. Yeah. They were like, okay, so everyone is at these conventions walking around with uh, telephoto lenses and stuff. And actually, I'm seeing it a lot less this time than normal conventions, which good. is great. I think people. They Probably. got your message. Yeah, I hope they did. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was thinking, I'm like, maybe there's a legitimate reason. You know, maybe they're getting their lens cleaned or they're going on a photo walk or something. There's not. There isn't, really. No. I, bl I blame all of the booths that, you know, hire, you know, the scantily clad models um, <laughs> and put them up there for hours. Rob used to be one of them. I, I, yeah. I saw him. I, I was the scantily clad model, yeah. yes. Yeah. Yes. The, but you were wearing a leather banana hammock. <laughs> Remember that? It's how to shoot that. It, it, was, it was latex. Latex. That's uh, Forgive me. It was actually a, made of fruit roll-up. <laughs> it has to be. Yeah. Like, it has to. If you're going to wear fruit underwear, the, it has to be edible underwear. Was yeah. it fruit by the foot? Yeah, it was 
Fruit <laughs> 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 by the foot long. Oh, Subway eat fresh. Yeah, this has taken a turn. Oh, so. Yeah. See, again, I had ADD. I got to like have retouching to focus yeah. in my life. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. so you'll be retouching something today? Or are you t- Every day. Every day. Every day. That's my goal. Do you have, all right, so what's the streak? Do you remember the last day you haven't retouched something? Um, probably like four years ago, maybe. Wow. Seriously? Yeah. Every day every for day, four years. No matter where I am, every day. So Christmas, what happens if, it's, years? if you get too much work? Like, do you have a team of people? I do. That's when I started, I, that's, that's when I started reaching out to my, my team and be like, hey, you guys need to help in and um, step in. But I still oversee everything in my operation. So, you know, they start helping on projects, but it goes through me, through quality assurance and also fine, fine-tuning of everything. Has that been nerve-wracking for you to turn over work? Yeah. Like, how do you manage that balance where you know it's your name? Yeah, it's mine, yeah. But you're turning it over to another retoucher to, to build on it. Yeah, and I, I this is a very important question because photographers have that fear as well. They're like, well, I can't give it to another retoucher, and I can't give it. It's same thing like, I'll give you an example. It's same thing like having a lighting assistant because there are lighting assistants that are good technically, but they don't really good, they're not good at communication, and they're not good at also being on set with a client when they're there. And so when you're talking to them and they're doing something weird like talking to clients and getting contacts, you're like, hey, don't do that, you know? And so you have to find somebody that is also good at talking to me, understanding my vision, but also that that breakdown of fear came from just trying a couple of people out that I felt were good and seeing how the process was going to go. Mm-hmm. So don't just be scared. Be proactive. To actually just go out there and, and, and you know, hire the, hire the person. See how it's like. It's not like it's in set in stone, you know? Oh, no. If it's, if it's good, it's great, and you can build on it. But, but if it doesn't work, you actually try it. So just uh, try it. And I actually had to go through a few people to, to get the team that I found, you know? But eventually, it, it was easier than I expected it to be. Eventually, it was, uh, it was very seamless. They were quite competent, and my fear was just unnecessary. That's true for photographers, too. I mean, we have to try out retouchers. We have to try out crew uh, yeah. to figure out who's the right one. And, yeah. I mean, you know Julie. I mean, yeah, you've been working amazing. with her. She is amazing. Um, she's been handling most of my bottle work for, what, 13, 14 years? <laughs> yeah. Um, but there are also times where I know a project is outside of what she normally does, right. outside of her, uh, her wheelhouse, so somebody else will step in, mm-hmm. and, and, or I will hire somebody else, I should say. So it's definitely, as a photographer, it's important to know um, the strengths of your retouching um, because what a retoucher does so directly affects what you do. Right. You've got to find that match. Yeah. And also, as on the photography side, be sure to know that we cannot mind read what you're thinking. So yeah. you've got to write it down. It's not because we are incompetent. It's because we actually need direction. Right. We're not like magicians, like, hey, I know what you're thinking. Let me come up with something beautiful and just give it to you. I think, I think the, for me, one of the scariest things as a photographer with, when working with retouchers is when a retoucher is busy. Yeah. Somebody who I lean on and count on, and I can't get them to do a project, and I have to do it with somebody new. Right. Um, that can be a bit frightening. And there's so much more communication that then has to happen. Yeah. As I educate them about my style, my process of working, what I want to achieve, what the client wants to achieve. Because for you... You actually have two objectives. Yeah. You need to execute what I want, but yes. also at the same time, it has to be what the client ultimately wants. Yes. There's two levels. Yeah. There is two levels. Mm-hmm. So how do you deal with the approval process on that? Because often, you know, for me, 
my clients are way involved in the retouching yeah, process. They're always involved. Do you hate that? They're more involved in the photographer. Uh, absolutely. And in fact, there's a time where I just kind of walk away and I let the clients deal with it. <laughs> that was a big decision why I went to retouching over photography too, because when I started working with clients that weren't in the industry, I was like, you guys are insane. You know, like I can say that because I don't have photography clients, like in the sense of what you guys deal with, because photographers normally you know they're they're quite educated in what they want and what they want delivered and they can communicate in a in a human like way <laughs> but sometimes when you have clients they just communicate with anger and frustration and they sometimes really can't tell you exactly what they're looking for aside from general generic words yeah that's one thing that's really tricky about <sighs> clients they often um, are in a position where they really don't understand that the um the capacity yeah. of an image, right? Um, they know their brand, but they don't know how the business really works. So they're trying to convey what they want and what they need. Yeah. Um, and actually, this is where a good retoucher is so important because I'm often on to the next shoot. Yeah. I don't have time to be involved with the retouching process yeah. and, the, and going back and forth. So like someone like Julie, she's been invaluable to me because she's so eloquent with my clients, I can completely trust her. Yeah. And that's a big thing. That's something retouchers really have to know as well. Yeah. I've noticed even now, I get messages from people going, hey, what are your rates? And, you know, hey, can I work with you? And sometimes you have to remember this is still a professional industry. You know, you still have to approach someone with, you know, hopefully correct grammar and English if you English is your spell first check. language. Spell check. <laughs> and don't, like, lowercase everything and being like, hey, like, text you. I mean, still, something we respect and look out for is, like, when we get people sending us emails, we don't want to say, hey, what are your rates, like, with an R. And I'm like, that's when I know you're probably not serious. I'm not going to take you seriously if yeah. you can't take yourself seriously. <laughs> like, at least come, uh, you know, approach us like a professional organization at someone that you respect and, you know, so have that relationship. Leave the emojis out of yeah. your first email to yeah. critique. Yeah. <laughs> what what would that first email to critique? What would it look like? All right. So the the emails that I really like, right? Like typically it's a what is your objective? Like what do you want from me? Um, do you want me to do your retouching for a specific set of images, or is it, are you looking for a general inquiry? If that's the case, tell me a little bit about your work and what you normally do. Don't just say hey, what are your rates? Because there's so many uh, genres of photography that you do, and sometimes what happens is they they'll send me um a PDF of their work or maybe just a zip file of a few JPEGs and they'll say I'm looking to get the skin retouched um, maybe this is my budget or I want to know what, 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 what the best rate you can offer what I'm basically looking for is skin work um, just cleaning up the environment things like that and that's pretty much it I mean, it's not that complicated but the thing is people need hand holding to get to that point sometimes and that's okay too but just don't be completely unprofessional and, and it comes across that way and we know when it comes across that way in the beginning, we know you're probably not serious enough to accept the rates that we have, and we probably won't invest the time into putting an effort into even um, helping you as much. So that's a huge thing. I'm going to ask this question even though I know the answer. Um, did you have any kind of mentor, someone that really helped you, another digital artist to help you shape this, or did you learn it all yourself? Initially, my influence was from looking at so many other pieces of work and I didn't have one person that mentored me specifically mm -hmm. but going through the industry my mentor ended up becoming society in the sense of what was the direction that my industry was going in because every season with retouching and fashion it changes considerably mm -hmm. and 
I think a lot of retouchers make a mistake of trying to copy other retouchers' work or other photographers' work. But the problem is that's not where the future clients are. The future clients are on the bleeding edge of everything that's being submitted today. Mm-hmm. And to pay attention to that, you have to pick up the latest magazines and look at the style that they're working on, You know the style that they're doing and focusing on that. You have to dress for the job that you want, and you have to work for the type of clients that you want as well. What magazines should uh, retouchers be reading right now? Oh, I would say, you know, I would say typical magazines, magazines like Vogue and Harper's Bazaar, W, L, Marie Claire, um, Woman's Daily, um, things like that. Because, and but if you're also looking to expand your work into foreign markets, let's say maybe Europe might have a better budget than the U.S., for example, on certain things, pay attention to what they're doing. And then approach their clients over there. You know, don't focus on, oh, no, so-and-so is also copying my work and whatever. Just, like, focus, <laughs> focus on yourself and, and really go out there and, and, and set an example for other people so that one day they can copy you instead, you know? At what point did your business turn global? It turned global when I started traveling to teach. It, it, it went that way because, well, I would say at the same time, um, I, when I started getting my first interviews and I, when I first started writing, this was about six years ago now, mm-hmm. um, I started getting attention from people from other countries. And because of social media, it didn't matter where they were from. And from there, when I started getting published with their work in their countries, other photographers started seeing my work there and they started contacting me. And That's one of the huge advantages that retouchers have. You can be anywhere. Yeah, it's great. A photographer has to be in a specific market, or yeah. they have to have the crew around them. Mm-hmm. You can work from anywhere in the world Yeah. at any time. Yeah, I'm working right now <laughs> from my pocket. <laughs> Where are you off to uh, next? Do you do any workshops this year? Yeah, actually, I'm going out to uh, England in, end of the month, which is at the moment end of February uh, into March. So for March, so I'll be out there. I'm going to Norway to do a workshop in April, beginning of April. And so that's going to be my next big one. And then, How do you set up a workshop in Norway? I get, again, social media. They contact me, and they say well, they want to do The king a of Norway? Yeah, the king of Norway. Yeah. He's a... Uh, He's a aficionado in Photoshop. <laughs> <laughs> he wanted to polish up his little skills. Why do you teach? I teach because I learn a lot from teaching. I end up learning way more techniques and ideas and vi- mindset when teaching. Like when someone comes to my workshop and says, hey, can you also do that this way? I'm like, yeah, yeah, you can. And I'm like, I didn't know you could do that yeah. Yeah. So it's a give back, get back thing. It is. Yeah. It's, but my workshops are different, though. My workshops are actually, it's more like a circle, circular workshop where everyone's kind of pitching in ideas and saying, hey, well, let's build this together. It's not like, hey, this is what you should do, you know, authoritarian style. It's like, you should do it this way. I'm like, I think the best way is this way. What do you think? And when you're in Europe or when you're somewhere else where they really enjoy critiquing and they really enjoy talking openly without being offended by things, they tend to say, no, you're wrong. Here's something better. And I love that because I can be like, oh, shit, you're right. You know? (laughs) (laughs) It's great. Oh, hell. And so everyone's learning. Yeah, everyone's having a good time. And the network connections. Everyone gets connected. I'll give you an example. Because of the workshop I'm doing in Norway, from that, I had another client see that I was doing a workshop there. And uh, I'm going out to Montreal after that to another workshop at the end of the summer. 
And because I'm doing a workshop in Montreal, when I came to WPPI, I met uh, a company out here who does a post-production in Montreal, and they're flying me out as well for another workshop. Can I give there. you another example? Yeah. We met at a workshop. Did we? Yeah. Oh, yeah. The, the, yeah. The, that's yeah. right. Bahamas. And so the workshops. Yeah. Ki- yeah. Kicked off our relationship. Yeah, that's right. That was yeah. awesome. Yeah. That was a great time. Lots happened since then. A couple things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Rob's had a couple of babies. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Rob's really one. doubled down on his passion for texting. <laughs> Always texting. <laughs> God, Gary Martin. Uh, can't take me anywhere. No, that's the problem. I know. Literally nowhere. 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 I'm not good for any. Environments, scenarios. Good for nothing. Good for nothing. <laughs> so why do I keep coming back? I don't because know. Because we're so much damn fun. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Because we make we make little uh, spoofs on Goodnight Moon. See, that's where we really yeah. uh, connect because we both understand the necessity of being creative outside the seriousness of the industry. Well, I yeah. think it's a, we understand the power of your calming voice. I no. think that's what it is. This is so, so it's exploitation, <laughs> is that what you're saying? Yeah, of course. The, the, next, the next video that I'm working on, I don't have any script written, yeah. but I, I have your costume picked out. Oh. And it's going to be, I just I just imagine you in like a race car helmet, kind of like old school, like 1970s, like race car helmet, and the full-on like racing Suit. like like onesie. Yeah. Like speed racer type? Yeah, yeah. speed racer. Oh, like just yes. Just picture critique in like a full-on onesie with like a bunch of logos from companies yeah. that he works with. <laughs> He puts his helmet on. He's got his gloves. Put it from like competing companies he, too. Yeah. Like, oh my god, it's awesome. Yeah, you can visualize it, right? We no, just, I can we, totally see it. We just need to write it. I don't know. Wait, what what's, he's the, doing. what's the script though? That's just that, the that, that doesn't matter. It's all building off of the. Costume. I usually start with the, the environment. Oh, you know? nice. Then I develop it from there. Nice. I never thought about it that way. See, I learned something. Yeah. I always imagine like the other way, like the story, then the details. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's messed up. It's all backwards. That's a secret. The secret to our success is we do everything backwards. Mm. And. Don't with, give it away. PBR. Under the influence of PBR. <laughs> or something. I don't know. <laughs> Poor Pratik. Pratik, where can we find all of your work and your glorious work at? Just Google me. Google me. <laughs> just kidding. No. I'm just kidding. I'm just Google me. So, Solstice Retouch um, on Instagram, on Facebook, and Twitter. What are your big social platforms that you're into right now? Instagram. I'm pushing way hard on Instagram right now because everybody's Snapchat? on there. No, Snapping? No, no. I'm on Instagram stories. Oh, what's been the consensus about that? Is everyone going to Instagram stories or Snapchat? Um, I think a lot of people are. I, I, don't, yeah. I think Snapchat is, people are moving away from it. It's, I do. You are Snapchatting. I, I, no, you are Snapchatting. he Snapchats. Who's the Snapchatter? I've never, I've never Snapchatted, so I'll leave it there. Rob, Rob forgot his password to his Snapchat account. I forget <laughs> my password to every account. Yeah. That's why we work together. He so you can be my password. Yeah, yeah he puts his glasses like, where's the password? <laughs> <laughs> he once forgot his password to his sunglasses. It was what? really embarrassing. <laughs> what is a password? I still don't know the answer to that. It's a secret. <laughs> yeah, why won't anybody tell me? Uh, it's so frustrating. Yeah. Now you can do like the fingerprint <laughs> password thing, right? The Apple ID? Yeah, but... I burned off all my fingerprints. Oh, that's another story. Yeah. From yeah, film days or something. No. Oh. <laughs> Being on the lam. Oh, nice. FBI can't get me that way. Yeah, <laughs> of course. <laughs> well, they know you're here now, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, Pratik, thank you so much for stopping by. It's always good to see you. Yeah, I'm sure I'll see you in a couple of months. Yeah, always. Not only that, Please. thank you for being such an important part of our company. Oh, um, we love the working relationship that we have with you, and we love the the, uh, the knowledge that you share with our audience, and um, we appreciate you. I'm definitely glad it worked out, and uh, eventually, you know, it's all the benefit of uh, our audience. So. Yeah. 
Yeah. Great to have it. To preview uh, Pratik's new tutorial with RGGEDU, go to rggedu.com, click on Tutorials, and it's going to be right there at the top of the list. Boop. You can also click on or go to rggedupodcast.com and click on Pratik's profile, and then there'll be links to his tutorial and his Solstice page from there. Oh, yeah. Boom. Very cool. Boom. And to download this episode and the entire season, go to rggedupodcast.com, where it's free and it'll always be free. Thanks, buddy. Thanks. Free, free bird. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. This podcast has been brought to you by Capture One Pro 10. With the most reliable tethered workflow, combined with the most robust image processing, Capture One Pro 10 is the choice of working pros. Unlock the potential of this powerful tool by downloading your free 30-day trial at CaptureOne.com. Well, that's all she wrote for this one. Thanks for listening. I get out of here and start shooting. This podcast is officially over. Over and out. Catch you next time, dude. They're here to make heads or tails of this shapeshifter they call photography.